for the Wild Soul, a weekly tarot podcast about life, death, and rebirth. I'm your host, Lindsay Mack. Thank you so much for joining me today. Welcome to a new month, a new cycle, definitely a very new paradigm. June is definitely promising to be pretty transformative, pretty powerful. I'm really excited to get down to all the meaty, good shit. Um, And I'm going to adjust my microphone. Sorry about the noise, inevitably. Great. (laughs) I hope everybody has been, um, uh, quite frankly, I'll use the word surviving. Uh, (laughs) Mercury, uh, this Mercury energy, this Gemini season with a lot of ease and grace and hopefully good friends and like some time to clear off this energy. I know so many people, um, have, uh, uh, are, are naming that this energy feels super energizing, so good to them. I am in awe of you. I bow to you and I need you to know you're a unicorn in, a world of horses (laughs) because I don't know if that's a whole lot of us. It's very intense energy. And for those of you who have wild brains like me and who are, um, maybe more mercury dominant, I'm a very mercury dominant person. This probably is pretty intense. Um, and I don't even mean energetically. I mean the invitations that this time is bringing, the uh, mer- the mercurial energy, the spark, the lightning uh, uh, essence of this Gemini season is very strong. And uh, we forget a lot of the time that these bodies, these sweet bodies, have to like run all this fucking programming electricity through them. So it's intense and, um, some people are just used to that. And, uh, even if we are used to it, it can be uncomfortable. Um, and I didn't do a, uh, I got, I had computer trouble and I apologize for that. I didn't do like a Gemini lovers episode, but I am going to talk a little bit about Gemini in this monthly medicine and just to really quickly name, and I think I did this last week too, um, I have Swiss cheese for brains. I can't remember, but just to remind everybody that Gemini is, um, very powerful energetically and rules, um, among other small specificities, the hands, the nervous system and the lungs. So right there, like that's a lot, (laughs) you know, and because Mercury's, or rather, I'm sorry, Gemini's ruling planet is Mercury. There's this magician aspect to it of the, of the channel too, um, of the energetic body. We can even say perhaps the chakra system, if we wanted to, I don't work with the chakras, but, um, the chakras really run down the largest nervous system centers in the body, the pineal gland, um, uh, you know, um, you guys get it. You know what I'm talking about? Um, the throat that, you know, literally the heart, uh, the diaphragm, like there are a lot of spaces that are hit, um, where there are strong bundle of nerves and, um, 
it's really powerful to remember that, that if our nervous systems are sensitive, if they are, um, in any way, um, you know, in any way sensitive, that Gemini season is usually a very, very big kick in the nuts in great ways and in hard ways, you know, because everything is getting activated. And in some ways with Gemini season, everything's getting cleared out. And with this particular Gemini season, just because of the fact that there are a couple different astrological influences, there's solar storms right now, which everybody feels, um, which can create sleeplessness, overwhelm, a sense of being kind of, um, ragged. And it's very wise to be gentle with ourselves through that. Um, but also because what Gemini essentially does is it hits the nervous system and creates an in-breath response of, of communication, of taking it in literally that then extends out to the hand. So it literally goes from idea to breath, to creation. I mean, Gemini literally has the holy trinity of um, bringing something that is invisible into the visible, uh, embedded in it. So it's an incredibly holy time. And uh, there's a lot happening in this Gemini season. There's a lot of invitations into all kinds of different things. Um, The other thing to remember about Gemini is that it is the twins. Twins are so symbolic and so sacred, um, just as like period, you know, twi- the, the symbol of the twin is profound. Um, and when we think about how it juxtaposes with the lover's card, the lover's card is not necessarily about a love or a lover or a beloved or even an opposite. It's actually about a part of ourselves, the lover's card, that gets reflected back to us through an external situation. So it would be like looking in the eyes of your twin in some way, shape, or form. And a lot of people in tarot, this is certainly not specific to me, but use the image of the mirror. I've been teaching that for forever, but um, it's a very common theme and it works because it is it works. <laughs> you know, it's a great way to illustrate what what Gemini is all about. So in Gemini season, we get a lot of reflections, you know, we get a lot of reflections that are sometimes not for us. Sometimes they are projections from other people. Sometimes they are invitations to trust our truth, to know ourselves. And sometimes those invitations and those reflections are parts of ourselves that are so magnificent that we would never associate with ourselves, um, that we would maybe want to give back to someone. So part of the trickiness of this Gemini season two is determining what invitation is what. And there's a lot of invitations, a lot of invitations. And my overall, my overall, um, piece of advice for anyone who's experiencing big blowout, um, human stuff in this Gemini season, anything from body pain to, um, uh, physical experiences, uh, headaches, overwhelm, um, you know, one, of course, always, uh, emphasize support 
Um, everybody has different accesses and resources with support. So if, if what resonates with you is therapy, emphasize your therapy. Maybe if you can afford it, do more. Not everybody can afford therapy. Not everybody has access to therapy, friends, time outside, like whatever you need, trust that you have everything that can provide that to you. And even though that's really fucking hard, if you're feeling like you need support and you don't know how to ask, you you can't find it or you can't get past your brain, um, if you can come to the point where you can ask for it, if you can ask, um, the first person may not be able to help you, the, the first inquiry may not go anywhere, but if you can ask for support, even just in your prayer, in spirit, sitting like in the shower, whatever, not sitting in the shower, but sitting period in the shower, (laughs) different sentence. Um, if you ask for help, you're always going to get some kind of answer. Um, energetically, I really believe that. Um, and we may not always get what we want, but it, we absolutely, when asking for help, will receive something. We may not receive all that we want, but really moving out of our comfort zones to ask for what we need, really, whether that's a doctor, a church, a, you know, um, for someone to just listen, um, for more time off for a break, you know, whatever that is to just really ask for what we need and, um, emphasize giving that to ourselves. Um, because there are a lot of upgrades happening right now through this Gemini energy, and it's important to try to navigate them with as much ease and grace as we can, even though that's not easy for all of us, it is possible. Um, and we can begin with just doing the radical thing, which is asking for help. Um, yeah. Wow. 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 June is very, very, very powerful, very powerful month. Um, June is one of those kind of gateway months. Um, so, okay. Energetically something happens around, it, it starts in, in late May. It actually starts really when the sun moves into Gemini. So we really have Gemini to thank for this uh, process. But um, we, okay, I'm about to say something a little controversial, <laughs> fake controversial, just people may not agree with me, but that's okay. Um, you, you're welcome to not agree. That's all right. Um, Gemini is not as social and not as outgoing of a season as I think people believe it to be. I think that's part of the, um, I'm not saying it's not by the way, but, um, that I am wanting to invite collectively a curiosity toward the deeper medicine of Gemini. And, um, Gemini is a sign that is often wildly, uh, undervalued, misunderstood, um, and has very important invitations to bring. Um, although the energy of Gemini may not always feel good. It may not always feel good. That doesn't mean Geminis don't feel good or that Geminis are bad or anything like that. 
but they bring a very strong invitation, many of them. Thank you, Siren Angels. Um, Just like Aries brings a very strong invitation. And Aries are a lot of the time pretty misunderstood. And that's fine because Gemini and, you know, to compare, you know, Gemini is really bringing a very strong invitation around reflection, especially of the self and specifically doing so by creating this energetic infinity loop that starts with the self, moves out into the external, and then comes back into the self. Gemini is one of the only signs in the zodiac that is specifically coded to take it both inside and outside. Um, Like we're all meant to take our shit outside of us, but Gemini has to do that as a part of its processing. My friend Jeff Hinshaw talks often about how he, and I'm wildly paraphrasing, but as far as I remember, he, he, um, had a conversation and spoke about how Geminis are not necessarily meant to pause before they speak something because a part of their medicine is to channel, to communicate. So sometimes they have to physically vocally get something out in order to get clear about what it is that their truth is. So, um, when a Gemini is not always aware of that, uh, superpower, they can even get confused and can think, well, I feel this way. Now I feel this way. And I feel this way. Now I feel that way. When the truth is that they're still working something out. And a lot of the time it has to do with verbally. And, um, we get to plug into that in Gemini season. So what winds up happening is that kind of life starts to look like we're in a hall of mirrors and it starts to kind of look like one of those, um, things that you had as a kid where if you, you know, that had a crystal in a tube and when you put it up to the light, it kind of refracts everything and makes the whole room holographic. Um, there's totally a name for that. I'm just blanking. Um, and that is the beginning of this gateway that we go into during the summer months of the Northern Hemisphere winter in the Southern. We forget because we are in the Northern Hemisphere and everyone's out and people are going to the beach that this is a deep time of work. And I don't mean work like uh oh, we have to work hard. In fact, that's the kind of opposite of what we're doing this month. But in the winter, there's an extreme. When we're in the Northern Hemisphere, there's no doubt about that. We're like, it's freezing. There's an extreme here. In the summer, we often push the extreme because it's more fun. There's light. There's more things socially that correspond to supporting that in the Northern Hemisphere. But the truth is that we move through the threshold of a solstice. This is like major energetic stuff. In the summer, we not only move through Gemini, but we also move through Cancer, a sign that, although is incredibly profound, complex, not also not relegated to the kind of one-dimensional idea of Cancer being like shy and, you know, whatever. I know many Cancers that are very bold, um, but it it is about duality cancer. It is about kind of going into the shell and determining the crab meat from the crab shell. And 
there's a lot of going inside and going outside that's present in the summer that a lot of us lose touch with, I think. And I want to invite everybody into that more truthful essence of Gemini energy because to be in as much processing Mercury energy that Gemini is and Gemini season invites us into, there needs to be far more rest. And every summer kind of starting again, really on Beltane, you know, I think energetically we click over into that on Beltane, but what do I know? Everyone's different. <laughs> um, but especially when we move into Gemini season, there's this very interesting thing that happens where I think everyone expects like, oh my God, the doors are blowing open. And that's true for some people, but collectively it's also a time to kind of go, um, within, or at least, um, not so much within as into a place of greater stillness because we are blooming. We're not so much growing. The, 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 the fruit is on the tree at this point. So if the fruit is on the tree, we're hanging there. We're heavy. There's a, like, um, we're longing to kind of have our branches plucked to have a little bit of lightness to be able to clear off some of that fruit perhaps. So we're blossoming, we're creating, we're growing, we're, you know, really, um, showing like we're, we're, we're out, but we're, there's also a desire to shed in its own way. And every season has its own blooming and shedding process that takes place, which is really quite beautiful. But um, this month, June, um, ushered by kind of Gemini season and other aspects, is presenting us with the opportunity to practice radical spaciousness. Radical meaning extraordinary, radical meaning courageous, brave, bold. People being like, oh my God, damn, like that kind of feeling. Radical meaning um, sparks something. It's courageous. It's powerful. Spaciousness, meaning that there is space around us. And that is something that is a core part of the work. And I keep using that word work, and it's not really in alignment anymore, but it's a core part of the invitation of 2019 in general. And it's starting to solidify into something very concrete now. Um, partially because we're out of the infancy stages of Aries and Taurus and moving into slightly more old, developmentally speaking, um, slightly more mature energies. And part of what that invites us into is the idea of the creation in this year specifically of space. And it's something that most of us, most of us, not all of us are very uncomfortable with. And it's usually something that most of us try to fill. And by the way, I'm not, um, it's okay to fill spaciousness. It's okay to be like busy and productive. It's great. But when it's all that we've got, when we're pushing, when it feels so hard, when it takes everything we've got, that's when we have to stop 
just pause and consider that there might be another way to do it. That is where the Gemini medicine of sacred reflection comes in and how we can really lean on this process this month until the 21st when we flip into cancer. Um, I mean, the 21st is going to be nuts, but um, we'll talk about that nuts in great ways. Um, We are really being invited into radical opportunities to receive. We're getting a lot of invitations to trust in space alignment and in sweetness. We're going to be presented with a lot of that. How sweet can you handle it? You know, how much are you available to receive without flipping out and needing to kind of blow it away? How much can you let yourself be? How much can you allow yourself to be willing that to be willing to consider that things may not happen on the timeline that your ego prefers? How much? I'm doing that work too. It's really intense. Um, this is part of kind of a zenith that's happening that is also weaving us back to the idea that this is a empress hangman year. Hangman is about completing cycles. So it makes us, invites us, but sort of makes us a little bit <laughs> hang out until a cycle is complete. We're not leaving the chrysalis too early. We're not clearing off the leaf on the tree before it's ready to go. We don't have to force a harvest. We don't have to force a clearing. It, it happens when it happens, um, which is why the hangman um, dovetails so beautifully into death energy and why they hold hands really, even though we're not in a 13 year and we're not really going into death. Um, we can kind of consider them of one mind because without one, there can be no other. And Empress, which is all about dilating us, all about helping us get used to greater sweetness. So here's the thing. Right now, your Empress work could be being busier than you've ever been before, being more abundant, more, um, you know, all of those things. Because in that way, you could be working with Empress around receiving in that capacity. And for some of us, a lot of us, we're doing work around being okay with doing nothing. Nothing. Not needing to talk about what we're doing, not needing to be productive, not needing to be um, filling the quota of capitalist structure that is very easy easily leaked into even the most spiritual of practices. It's all weaving us, courting us back to this idea of radical spaciousness, letting things be spacious, letting there be space. Because I'll tell you, the space in June will be there. It's up to us as to whether or not or how we choose to engage with that space, what is in that space. It's also an opportunity to zoom out and to look at um, what is in the physical space, what's in the body, what's in the house, you know, what is in our room, what's in our apartment, all that stuff. Now, I sort of want to speak on the fact that 
I think that talking about radical spaciousness is kind of dangerously close and one might even say like absolutely, um, like, like profoundly privileged idea. Um, because who, who are we to talk about having spaciousness when so many have no option for, for what we might consider space or spaciousness, especially when, um, there are extraordinary inequities. There are situational aspects where people have no ability to take like quote days off, whatever. Um, so I want to speak to that because, spaciousness belongs to everyone, regardless of your life circumstances, regardless of where you find yourself in this moment, whether you have nine kids, whether you have no children, whether you work 90 hours a week, whether you work no hours a week, whatever and however you find yourself, radical spaciousness belongs to you too. Be willing to one, claim what is yours. So these concepts belong to you, whether you are fucking crazy busy and there's no space in your life or whether you have more space than you know what to do with. Both experiences are valid and are um, part of what we speak about when we're talking about radical spaciousness and the invitation of that. Two, be willing to consider that it might be very easy for your brain to say, well, that's not me. Fuck that. And might keep you in a little bit less space, even a quarter inch than what might be available to you. So I also want to speak to, and this is not connected to the idea of spaciousness being a privileged idea. It, it is <laughs> like, it's, a, it's very privileged, but everybody is entitled to the privilege of space. Not everybody can receive space in the same way at the same time because of various um, super legitimate um, things. However, I want to separate very delicately the truth of that, the truth of there being varying abilities for all of us to have quote unquote radical spaciousness from the brain being uncomfortable with space and leaning on stories, excuses to keep us locked in more, um, shit, more stuff, more, um, padding than we need. And sometimes those lines intersect and sometimes they don't. Sometimes it's both. Oftentimes it's both where we say to ourselves, like, I don't have the fucking ability to like have space. And yet somewhere in there, we might somewhere in there, we might. So the key word for this month, for anybody who finds themselves triggered by these ideas, by this invitation, willingness to be curious, willingness, even moving above and beyond how I'm verbalizing it and moving into a space where you get to reclaim this idea. Is there greater space for me in one area of my life? Is there something where I can ask for more of what I need? Is there a situation where for me, spaciousness looks like stating a very clear boundary with my partner to allow me to take a kid-free, interruption-free shower? 
is that is radical spaciousness for a lot of people. And sometimes radical spaciousness is not about a kid-free, interruption-free shower. It's about something completely different. Um, Whatever it is, what I can tell you is this. Spaciousness wants to work with and through us, no matter what our circumstances are this month. And it does not in any way, shape, or form need to necessarily be that there is like we're on vacation or we're on a yacht or whatever the fuck. It can really be that we can create a little space around our thinking. That's radical spaciousness. We can create a little bit of space in our morning. Maybe, maybe we can create more space in our evening. Maybe there's a half hour of space that completely fills your cup up. And maybe I'm just going to say you are the vacation person. Maybe it is like you go away for a month or you trade out your house or whatever it is, meaning like you stay somewhere and somewhere stays in, someone stays in your house. Like be willing to consider that it could be anything. And the truth is the external pieces matter, but they matter less than the internal space because we could have all the spaciousness in the world. We could be on the greatest, like be on a fucking yacht. And if the brain is going a thousand miles an hour about like, I don't know how to do this. I should be doing something. What if I stop and then I can't start again? There is no space. So I want to honor and name the very legitimate human aspects and the the problems that come up. I think when we talk about the idea of like spaciousness, it's just incredibly privileged idea and name that. Yeah. It not only is a very privileged idea, and that we're talking kind of about the idea of physical spaciousness. But what we're really talking about is the spaciousness of the inner self. And that is available to everyone, no matter what our circumstances are. That we're on an even playing field with, period. So many of us have wild brains. So many of us are working through trauma. So many of us, the invitation for space regardless of who we are and what we're working with is available to all of us. And it's available to all of us in completely different ways. The reclamation of space for somebody who's experienced enormous oppression, who is constantly being called upon to be of service in some way, that reclamation of space moves mountains. It shifts generations and it is decidedly probably a lot harder (laughs) than it is for somebody who is not called upon to do that, who's very comfortable with space. And that's why we're talking about spaciousness, naming all the dimensions of it too. Because for some people, the radical spaciousness right now might be the lack of it. It might be that you're busier than you've ever been in your goddamn life. What would it be to trust the pace of it? You know, what is it to trust the pace of it? The key is no pushing. If you're feeling yourself push, um, force, if you're feeling yourself just like ripped, drained of energy, if you're trying to like muscle through work, it's not time right now. Let it rest. Let it be. That is radical spaciousness too. Really, that's one of the deepest cores of it. What would it be like if you just dropped what you're forcing, trying so hard to do? This is not a simple concept, radical spaciousness. It comes with lots of questions, lots of 
issues inherent with the idea of creating space. Not everybody has the privilege to have space, you know, in the way that we might imagine space to be. This is a reclamation and a redefinition of spaciousness in terms of how we look at it. What does it mean for you? What is valuable to you about that? What triggers you about that? What feels contractive? Because the shit is contractive. No matter where we come from, no matter what our experience in life is, no matter what our relationship with space is, space, my teacher Michelle says, is the opposite of trauma. Because in trauma, the brain is noisy. It's busy. It has to stay. Um, it has to be compacted. There has to be a lot going on. And usually when there is a lot of noise in the external life, it's a very strong reflection of trauma that's happening inside. Not always. Some people have real joyful noise. You know, there's a difference. To have space is to acknowledge, to name, to honor that we are allowing and working through a certain part of our brain becoming quieter. So this is why spaciousness, although in some regards is an extraordinary privilege, is also a great equalizer because everybody has their own version of what keeps them a little bit less spacious. Everybody has something um, that keeps them, that's rooted in the brain from reclaiming this. And that's why we name it as being radical because it's not just about like, I'm gonna take the month off. It's really about like, which by the way, taking the month off is great, <laughs> but it is, you know, a much bigger deal than that. And it really roots itself in the idea of like, what are we, what are we believing about this? And now I'm going to be honest with you. Like, I don't have the answer to that because I'm a person and I'm not an Oracle and I'm not a, a fucking, certainly not a guru. And I'm not up on a mountaintop on a pillow. I'm very much in this lifetime in a very human incarnation with a lot of messiness and a lot of, uh, I'm most definitely on this path with you in all ways, shape and form. So I don't know because I am completely an infant on my journey with radical spaciousness. I've had a noisy trauma filled brain my whole life and it's really intense to consider engaging with it in a different way. And that being said, um, it's okay that some of us are further than others. It's okay. Like I know people who are very comfortable with space and they're my teachers, you know, and I think that that's important to really know that spaciousness is a birthright and it belongs to all of us and all of us get to engage with it in every different kind of way imaginable that honors our individual experience and where we are in life and that we also get to trust that spaciousness is evolving all the time. That how we relate to space is very different than how we're going to relate to space in six months, in a year. But collectively, we're all getting this invitation partially because of Empress Hangman, because that's the whole deal of this year. And because, um, of the power of what is present for us in 
reclaiming space, the healing, the ancestral clearing that gets done. Like a lot of our ancestors couldn't leave any space because they had been traumatized by um, the transatlantic slave experience or because they are descended from um, people who've experienced horrors, you know, in so many ways. For some of us, it's relatives who've been at war. For some of us, it's people who've survived the Great Depression or, um, you know, um, any kind of cultural atrocity that stays in the nervous system. Um, Some of us who are descended from, again, folks who were enslaved, people who died in the Holocaust, they're we may not have even experienced any direct trauma at all. And yet that's in the nervous system. Look at the fucking world that we live in and the things that are happening um, to the bodies of those who, um, you know, well, reproductive justice affects everybody, including, you know, everyone, including those who cannot even get pregnant. Um, but look at what's happening. The The kind of intensity, this is all... All of it, it robs spaciousness from us. This isn't a problem. It's not like we shouldn't be feeling this way. It's like absolutely correct that we should be feeling any way that we're feeling. And there can be a reclamation of spaciousness in some way, shape, or form. So there's the opportunity is very, very powerful. We're going to be asking ourselves, you know, what's our relationship to space? Like really just getting down to the nitty gritty. What is it? What's our relationship to the idea of doing nothing? I know I don't know how to do that. And I'm learning right now. It's very uncomfortable. Um, And, you know, it's interesting because um, what I'm going through as a person is not always what the monthly medicines are about. In fact, it's usually um, different uh, because I'm an individual and I'm not a reflection for the collective, you know. And um, I was pretty surprised that this came up, uh, probably came up because I'm learning it. So I get to share that I'm like very much in like the learning curve right now. Um, cause I think that's important for people to hear too. Um, what are your beliefs about productivity? You know, asking those questions and cultivating greater comfort with ease and grace. Cause it's a nervous system thing. It's not a mental thing in that we can just decide to be more comfortable with spaciousness and it happens no fucking way. It's completely a nervous system thing. And gauging where we are with that and all of the impacted stuff that comes along with that, that is a part of the great traumatic undoing that we are doing in this time. Why are we rushing? Why are we pushing? What are our beliefs about that? Are they true? We always, always have to be checking in with our beliefs because I'm not going to make any money. Is that true? Is money available to you in a different way right now than what you're pushing on trying to do? You know? really just asking that question. Um, and again, super privileged idea. There's a lot more different engagements with space. Um, and especially with productivity that we can ask. Cause again, that, that question is, um, very, very privileged question, but we can apply it to anywhere that we are anywhere. Um, we're kind of getting used to an 
a potential alternate rhythm of life, one in which we can be in deep harmony with times of softness and ease and times of great productivity. Um, and the cards that we got for this month are super sweet, but they will inevitably bring up contraction. And it's very important to take space where it feels appropriate for us. Um, cause it's going to wind up kind of shaking our stories up and that's a part of, uh, it's a part of the good medicine of it. <clears throat> so on that note, the collective tarot reading for the month of June, the medicine of the month of June for us is six of cups. So six of cups is a card that has such a rich root system in nostalgia, going back to old childhood memories, going back to kind of old things. Um, I think that that's beautiful. It's not my understanding of the card. It's not what comes through my knowing and my channel when I work with this card, but that doesn't mean that it's not uh, beautiful for folks. What I invite you to consider though, because the six is always an expansion, a rebalancing. We have three and three, um, three is really the number of infinite production. And we have two of them again, kind of, we have three sixes in this reading out of six cards. So this idea of like three and three making six and with any six card, there's a kind of an expansion, a plugging in, a rebalancing, a, you know, an integration that happens in this. And so a lot of people tend to take the six of cups, nostalgia, childhood meaning and go like to a negative place with that. Like we're um, in some way unplugging from reality and this bullshit. No offense, but come on. Like it's not the greatest thing in the world to revisit some childhood things. Like it doesn't bring you into the most glorious feeling to revisit some things from your youth. Granted, some things suck that you return back to in childhood and bring up all kinds of sadness. This is not what we're talking about. There's nothing about the Six of Cups in any deck that implies sad, heavy nostalgia. What about like your memories of good shit as a kid? I had a horrible childhood and I have some good ass memories as a kid. You know, there's some really nice experiences that I recall and not a lot, but, <laughs> um, what are, what are those? That's another part of how to create space, pleasure. Now, I want to invite everyone into the meaning of Six of Cups that resonates with me that I find far more truthful and expansive, which is the heart opens after a period of being closed in some way. The heart opening has to do with trust, has to do with intimacy. It has to do with coming home to the heart, healing heartbreak. The key that unlocks that door is singular. There is only one, and it is the inner child within us. The inner child is the one always 100% of the time that if we can connect with that little one in us, they will guide us to parts of ourselves we never even knew existed. We forgot about years ago, sometimes decades ago. The work that we get to do in opening the heart, 
creating more joy, more connection, more intimacy, more deliciousness, more trust with folks around us, with ourselves, all starts with little versions of us. And in that way, we're really returning the heart to a place that it was as a child, open, trusting, um, not completely, not to the point where we trust anyone and we have no instincts about anything. Um, but that sweet, pure place, we're getting back to that in the month of June. That is the medicine. That doesn't necessarily mean like we're going to get there or we got it, but it does mean that it's the invitation. It's the medicine. It's what we're putting in our tea. It's what we're making a tincture out of. It's what we're making an infusion of and sipping through the day, every day, opening the heart open to trusting, open to intimacy, spaciousness around relationships. What are we, what are, how do we connect interpersonally? How can we create radical spaciousness around that, around the heart, around the brain, around ourselves? It, it goes right to the bone, this shit. That's why, you know, I really wanted to name that this is not about like, oh my God, take time off because it's, it's like, so much deeper than that. Taking time off doesn't do shit if you can't shut down and you're uncomfortable with space. In fact, it can sometimes be triggering massively. So it's important to start to connect. And for some people, that gateway for Six of Cups can be engaging with childhood things. And for other people, it's like the exact opposite. And it's just starting with heart work. But we are reopening after a time of being closed. That six of cups reopening. How and what does that look like for you? That's the question that we're going to be asking ourselves a lot this month. What we're being invited to pay attention to is six of wands. Um, what's our relationship with productivity? We have to go back to that with six of wands. Six of wands is tricky. It's tricky because it has to do with a couple different things. Six of Wands has to do with a personal victory. It has to do with an experience where we feel really proud of ourselves, where we feel great. And it may or may not intersect with other people shitting on us for being expensive. That's usually something that comes hand in hand with that. Um, it doesn't always have to though. And also those people, uh, you know, unless they're really close to us and unless we kind of have to like navigate the idea that we're not being celebrated by friends, by family, by a partner, and we have to navigate the experience of disengaging with those people in general, fuck them. Because if people can't celebrate you when you're expanding, forget it, you know? Um, and don't forget that a personal victory for you might look like I'm going to lean into sort of for a moment, the more kind of privileged external experience to make, uh, an example, but maybe for you, it is like, I took a month off. Holy shit. Wow. You know, I'm not going to do anything for a month in terms of work and I'm really going to like take care of myself and maybe even like clean my garage because some people that's, that's not work. That's pleasure. And there might be some people in your life who are like, wow, good for you, lucky you, because they don't feel that they can do that or can't do that in that moment. But the truth is that 
even if you can't do it, there can still be a place in us that can be lit up that says, wow, that's amazing. And I really desire to have that space in my life too. It's when we get angry and bitter that we have to pay attention usually because there is probably something in us that believes that we can't have that, or at least not quite in the way that we want it. So just looking at that is important. And if you're the person that's getting projected on, just be like, yeah, that is great. Goodbye. You know, just don't let it phase you. But what we're being invited to pay attention to really is redefining our um, concept of success and victory. What are we looking for? Are we looking for people to praise us, to approve of us? Are we looking simply to have a happy life? Are we looking to go further than our parents? Are we looking for mom's approval? Are we looking for like something that actually doesn't matter to us? These are really important questions to ask. And I believe that six of wands is a huge gateway because it really does have to do at the heart and soul of it, of a kind of a, um, a celebration and a victory of self. And a lot of the times six of wands can come up around the fact that we don't feel like we're far enough or we see other people experiencing this or, you know, whatever, um, eyes on your own paper, especially in the month of June, eyes on your own paper, very important just really trust where you are. The lesson of the month is 10 of wands. Call in support to help you carry those wands. Drop some of them. It's important. It really is. I'm coming in hot because it's hot. It's important. We have to begin to undo our idea of what we have to do versus what is available to us and what we are bringing on as a result of believing that we can't let something go. We have to investigate all of this. Ten of Wands is amazing. It means that we're holding what we're holding. We're not supposed to jettison any of those wands and let go of them forever. We're asking for help so that we can carry them and not be completely overburdened. So that looks different for everyone. That might look like babysitter, time off, assistant, intern. Um, it might look like greater boundaries with yourself about saying, you know, I respond to this when I do. It might mean upgrading systems in your life across the board. Whatever it is, it's important to saying no, flat out saying no. There, You know, I mentioned like, oh, we're not jettisoning, any, jettisoning anything. Maybe we are. Do you engage with people and think, why the fuck do I do this? If you are willing to not to strengthen your boundaries to a point where you say, I'm willing up until this point and no further, even if they're upset, even if they don't understand, it's very important to move along and move into the next phase of our life because ultimately nothing's going to come of it other than us being frustrated with ourselves, you know? Um, so 10 of wands. There are maybe some wands that we're holding on to that are no longer appropriate for us to hold, period, that we actually have to give back to somebody. Otherwise, they're not going to learn, you know? So that's an important question to ask too. Coffee, sip. But most of the time, the wands that we're carrying aren't really meant to go anywhere. They're just sort of meant to 
be recentered in a way so that carrying all of them doesn't break our back. That is what we are learning this month, how to carry our passions, our creativity, what we love in a way that is different than how we are intending it. It's not necessarily getting rid of everything. Radical spaciousness is not being irresponsible. It's not stopping working. It's not taking some like completely um, one percenter view of like, oh, I need time off. But it really is like, and by the way, that's great too, but um, it's not how all of us operate in the world, most of us. Um, It's really like, how can I create space in my situation? Everybody carries their wands differently. So really keeping your eyes on your own paper, determining what are my wands looking like? Who else that I know carries the same wands I do? How can I engage with them and gain support from them about what worked for them in terms of getting more support? What we're releasing, the tower and the hermit. Fucking thank God. So what we're really releasing this month is a kind of a pause that has been laid very gently on us in May about, um, there's probably been a lot of movement, but May has probably looked to most of us, even if we've been moving physically around, of a time of kind of like waiting until we understand further, um, taking it one step at a time, like that is all hermit work. Um, one step at a time building as we go, looking only through the light of the lantern. That's important. Um, and towers, you know, these intense, powerful realizations, this deep clearing. Um, we've been working with a lot of tower energy lately. You know, we, we work with it in Aries season. We were just in that, like, a season ago, you know, so we've been working with that. We're kind of letting go of that jolt, um, those intense system collapses. It's not that that's not going to continue in some way, shape or form, but we're kind of letting go of the direct work with it and allowing the, th- the storm to kind of go further along the horizon a little bit further away so we can see it, but it's not directly affecting us. Um, And the seeds that we're planting the next cycle of our lives is six of pentacles. So six of pentacles is so beautiful and is much more complex and powerful than people believe it to be, I think, you know, with humility. Um, Six of pentacles is about true balance internally and externally because the pentacle suit is not relegated, not limited to money. It has been a real long time since that idea has been updated, um, it, it does not have to do with money. It has to do with our relationship to earthly matter. Earthly matter is the body. It's your relationships. It's everything. The pentacles hold everything just like the earth holds everything. So it's really important to start looking at the pentacle suit in that more holographic way, because it will open up worlds for you. Um, six of pentacles, is an experience where if we are in need, our cup gets to be filled. If our cup is full, it gets to be overflowing so we can give to other people. We have to be very discerning about which is which. Are we in the position to be giving right now? If not, how can we be available to receive? If we are receiving, receiving, receiving so full, 
what are we being invited to give? How do we want to give? Um, this can change on a day-to-day basis. It can be that we are in deep giving mode and then all of a sudden we are in receiving mode. It can be that we're receiving, 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 and all of a sudden our cup gets so full that something clicks over and we think, oh, I have like a new topic to talk about. I have, I, I want to see clients. I want to, you know, whatever it is, or um, holy shit, I have so much energy. I like, can't wait to go to work or I can't wait to, you know, engage with my children in this new way. Like what, you know, whatever it is. Um, it's really all about filling up the cup and determining whether we are in a position to give of our cup or to be filling. And that really is what this next cycle is all about. Just like every day, kind of like considering with honestly, every interaction, every um, relationship, like, does this take something? Does this give something? If it takes something, do I have an overflow? If it gives something, um, am I available to receive that? You know, um, so that's very powerful too. And then probably most potently, the card that came up as our teacher for this month is justice. Anytime that happens, we have to kind of like pause and be like, wow, we're in the presence of a master here. Anytime we work with justice, it's always master energy. Um, Justice is very simple on paper, but without question, the most challenging, most mind numbing card, um, because it means simply that anything that is here is supposed to be here. There's not, there's no accident. If we are believing something should be different, we'll probably pull justice. If we're wondering whether or not something is wrong with us, with life, with the way things are going, we will pull justice. Justice doesn't mean everything's great. It doesn't mean everything's right. It just means whatever is here is here. You can't argue with it. It is an invitation for us to face honor and allow reality to be the baseline of our lives rather than what we want or what we'd prefer. Because really, and I've talked about justice a ton, but really the only way to enact real justice over time to create change is to be present with what is. Because if we are not present with what is, we are really not in a position to change anything because we're operating out of shoulds and they ought tos and And we have to be able to get to, well, this is what's happening. This is something that's in my life. Can I be with just that? And for some of us, it takes fucking years to be like, this is what it is. They're not here anymore. This is what it is. We've broken up. This is what it is. They've died. And it's not in any way, there's no expectation to be like, oh yeah, I'm totally like over it. Or I totally accept that they've died. Like, no way. Like grief is a spiral. Like lifetime can go by before we are like, oh my God, they're gone. And then it can just be a moment. Justice doesn't force anybody. It just invites us into reality. And it invites us into the idea of, of, of asking us to really look at what is rather than what we would want, prefer, whatever, you know, um, it's really important to begin to consider this idea 
And the fact that justice is a teacher, we really want to open up the windows and doors to justice to be able to say, yes, help to teach me the art of true presence, true presence, what is rather than what should be. And we can hold both in justice, right? We can see what is and we can see what should be. And until we are truly in what is, we are not available to change what would be more um, deeply aligned with true justice. So justice is very, very powerful. But as it relates to radical spaciousness, um, if we're pushing something because we think we ought to or we want to or we should or it's good timing or whatever, um, justice is going to be up your b-hole. And it's going to be like, boo, boo. Like, come on. No, you're tired. Take the weekend off, then come back to it. Take an hour and come back to it. No forcing, no pushing at all. Justice isn't going to take us through the sixes that we pulled. It's going to take us into where's the heart right now. It's going to take us into what's your idea of success of like, what's your, what are your beliefs about performance? What are your beliefs about productivity? It's going to take us especially into six of pentacles. Are you in a position to give right now? Are you in a position to receive right now? If you are not in a position to give, how can you fill up your cup in order to be more in a position to give? So it's important to be always looking at that, that sacred balancing that happens with justice where we go in, we go out, we go in, we go out. We wait, wait, wait until the scales eventually balance themselves. And it can take a long time. Justice never rushes us. So it's important to know like that's the teacher that we're working with right now. It's major. The astrology for June, we have new moon in Gemini on June 3rd, very powerful opportunity to put some of this into practice, plant seeds at this very new cycle of reflection, of um, beauty, of uh, spaciousness. It's almost like perfectly timed so that when we lock into this energy, we can create intentions to be willing to be available to more spaciousness and sweetness. Um June 9th, Venus moves into Gemini. Uh, Venus really loves being in Gemini. It's a really lovely feeling and is here to also be of service to um, allowing there to be a little bit more buzziness and more sweetness and um, can definitely, um, I, I hate to be, I, I err on being, or I err on being less predictive because I'm also not a predictive um facilitator. But I do feel that if we were going to sort of, um, you know, we talked a little bit about how we need to really respect that the summer and Gemini season, especially is not necessarily like a blanket pass to be like out in the world, to be social if we don't want to be, because everybody experiences it differently. However, with Venus moving into Gemini, it is a nice opportunity to think about how we can engage with the collective world around us. And that might mean being social. That might mean being with a couple people. That might mean like I've been going to the movies a ton with my friend Jessica lately. Um, and although we see each other often, it's more often than usual, which is great. And, um, just even my body getting out of the house and going to the movies is very Gemini 
for me. Whereas other people might be drawn to like go to like parties, you know? So, um, just thinking about how you get filled up through talking, through interacting, you know, through connecting. Um, that's a really nice way to move through Venus in Gemini. Our full moon in Sagittarius, um, this is the most perfect, beautiful harvest in the sacred teacher energy that Sagittarius brings, this beautiful archer energy. Um, it's such a great moon that gets to be timed right before the solstice on the 21st and right before Neptune goes retrograde in um, Pisces and before the sun moves into Cancer when we're really going to be in water. I mean, just get ready for July because it's going to be pretty epic in terms of the wateriness. So um, with all of that, then of course we have the summer solstice, um, the winter solstice over in the Southern hemisphere, but we have Letha and Yule. Um, if you want to call them by those names, not everybody does, of course. Um, summer solstice is the unity of what we would call kind of in a very binary limited sense of the light and the dark, even though we know that, um, those terms are pretty limiting in terms of like all that that encompasses, but we're talking about day and night. We're talking about a time when in the Northern hemisphere, there is physically more light than there will be at any other time in the year and less time with the sun setting. So there's physically less dark, less night time than there is the next day. Um, this is a threshold. It's a portal that happens twice a year. It happens at the winter solstice and at the summer solstice. And the summer solstice is an opportunity to see more than we are accustomed to. It's an opportunity. It's when we shift into cancer as well. It's an opportunity to go deeper into where we are shining right now, into um, honoring the really beautiful medicine that comes um, at every solstice, which is like being with what is while understanding what's to come because we're really honoring the light and we're bowing to the dark. We're saying this is the brightest point that we're going to have and from here, the light is only going to get shorter. We're heading toward winter. So we're not only bowing to this bright, beautiful day, this lengthy, lengthy day, but we're also saying, and we also understand that things are turning and now we are bowing to the night in the summer solstice because of all the fact that now the year is going to start to get a little bit shorter. You know, we've been building and at the solstice, it's so intense because then we get to cool, even though we're going into like the height of summer. Um, <coughs> excuse me, my goodness. So there's some real powerful energy with that. And I'm not going to go too, too into it because I'll talk about it on my Instagram. But um, the sun also moves into cancer that day and Neptune goes into uh, Neptune retrograde is <laughs> Neptune. Um there is a retrograde in Neptune that is happening in the sign of Pisces. So basically that's like 
taking the hangman, which is already upside down, and flipping it upside down again. It's a time to float, to be sure. Um, especially like cancer season is going to be, I cannot wait to see what comes through for the monthly medicine because that is going to be some watery bullshit in a good way, in a good way. Watery fuckery. <clears throat> um, oh my God, is that it? I think it is. I feel like this was so long. Um, a couple of announcements before we close monthly medicine. One is that I'm going to go on sabbatical. Um, and for those of you who like made it this far in the podcast, um, I am going to go on sabbatical until September. Uh, I'll do monthly medicines, but, uh, we're actually going to be doing something, um, that we have never done before, which is, uh, end season one. (laughs) So I just never thought about like this podcast having seasons and it's been going since August of 2017. So basically this is a two year season that's ending today. Um, and the new season will begin on, um, September one to honor Mabin and all that other good stuff. Mabin. Yeah, I think it is Mabin. I'm getting confused about Lamas and Mabin, but that's okay. You can't get it right every time. Um, And so you will not have any episodes other than the monthly medicines until September 1st. And then we'll kind of start with a new fresh season. But it's hilarious that um, that's the end of season one. (laughs) So uh, I'm going on sabbatical. This is the way that my invitation into spaciousness is showing up. Um, I also want to announce that Nourishing the Wild Heart, which uh, is actually totally accidentally very complementary to this monthly medicine because it's a lot about how to embrace the sweetness of the cards, uh, the sweet cards of the tarot, and how to do a lot of kind of the pleasure work that we're talking about here. Um, Nourishing the Wild Heart will be open for enrollment until June 13th, and then it will be gone. And we'll probably bring it back at some point, but um, it will be gone on June 13th. So if you want to grab it now, this is the time. Um, I also want to shout out that I am a guest on my dear friend, Asher Pangeris's podcast, living in this queer body. Um, Asher's podcast is incredible and everybody listening to this, please, um, flood her podcast with listens with good reviews. Uh, it's called living in this queer body. Um, Asher is a queer psychotherapist living in Brooklyn. And um, I have had the honor and the pleasure of knowing Asher through many iterations of the last few years. And she's just the most delicious person. And this podcast is an incredibly profound gift to anyone who lives in a queer body. Um, she interviews all different queer folks and it's it's very, very beautiful. And it was an honor to be on it. And it, we talk about pelvic pain, termination, um, what it is to be queer as a cis woman married to a cis man, um, internalized biphobia, just all the light stuff. (laughs) Um, I'm very proud of the interview and was very honored to be interviewed and that's up now and you can listen to that. Um, I guess I should, yeah, I'll put that on the show notes. And because I am not going to be doing an episode to announce this, I do want to say early that I'm going to be a guest on almost 30 podcasts. And that is probably, I'm the worst. I'm, it's coming out, I think in a week. 
somewhere around June 6th, definitely the first 10 days of June. (laughs) I should be a guest on almost 30 podcasts. Um, it was nice. I got to talk to them about, um, tarot and about being afraid and about queerness actually. So this is just queer-tastic, these episodes, um, and being married to a straight guy while being queer, which is a mind fuck, even though he's a great guy. Um, and I was very proud to be on Almost 30, and um, they're a very great, popular uh, podcast, and and the women are so wonderful, and um, just keep an eye out for that. It'll be on my Instagram. And I also want to shout out two things. Um, my friend Erin Aquarian is doing an offering called Cycles of Evolution that I had the great honor to experience, and it is literally life-changing. Erin has developed this system where she does over 100 years of your lifetime talking about the card that you're in for every year in that lifetime. So for example, when I was born, I was in a hermit year because my life number is a nine. And so when I was one years old, I was in a wheel of fortune year. When I was two, I was in a justice year, what what have you. So um, she has developed this system where she is able to explain and channel and interpret the cycles of your life and how you're being invited to evolve through your life. It's literally like, I honestly don't really even have words for it because it's so profound to have over a hundred years of your life in front of you is very moving and to experience it in the way that she speaks about it is incredibly powerful. And these offerings are for sale and I'm, I'm not getting anything for telling you this, but I did want to mention because, um, Aaron is extraordinary and in, um, I believe like deserves everyone's support and acknowledgement as being a very important healer for, um, this evolution of life. And I also think that this offering is really brilliant and worthy of, uh, worthy of a lot of praise and a lot of, um, talk and investment because it's amazing. So I highly encourage you to check out cycles of evolution and we'll have a link about that on the, on the, um, on the show notes as well, or you can just look her up Erin Aquarium or full-time witch on Instagram. And then my, my last kind of like shout out is, um, a little bit less of like, it's just cause I'm proud that my husband Chase, who many of you know, as the editor of this podcast and as the person who does all the video, um, and all the audio for my courses and my classes and everything is making a tarot deck. And he's doing it like all by himself through what he's learned over the last few years. And it's fucking beautiful. Um, and I highly recommend that you follow him and his process at uh, Holy Spectrum Tarot. It's called Tarot of the Holy Spectrum. And um, he is a brilliant artist and is just, he's knocking it out of the park. And again, is not really doing it with me at all. So it's just been a joy to see him reclaim this and you know, um, create his own understanding of these cards. It's really beautiful. Um, and, uh, most of you know him as being 
a really beautiful part of the wild soul family. So if you're interested in his deck, you can follow him on Instagram at Holy Spectrum Tarot and sign up for the mailing list when pre-orders go out and all that good stuff. Did I get everything? I apologize if I forgot something that I was supposed to say. I try to make notes. I inevitably always forget. Um, I think that's it. I love all of you. Have the most beautiful summer. I'll see you at the monthly medicine episodes and uh, looking forward to season two in September. Have a beautiful solstice. Take care of yourselves. Bye. Bye.